Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, guys. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. The first thing I want to say before we do anything else is I want to direct you to the show notes because in the show notes, I have linked a GoFundMe that is set up to help the families of the victims of the Texas elementary school shooting this last week. Um, horrific, unimaginable. I mean, I, I cannot even believe that this happened so much. I, I really can't believe it. And I, I won't dedicate the whole episode to just raging about it because I want us to focus on what we can actually do and that's, you know, donating and calling our senators and making sure that changes are made. But yeah, if you're feeling enraged and sad, I'm I'm right there with you. So hopefully today's episode is just a little a little spark of joy in in your day today, because that's how we can be the best advocates is by making sure we're not getting burned out. We're finding, you know, a little bit of joy to help sustain us through the really, really scary, hard, sad times. So that's what we're going to do today. But yeah, there's a GoFundMe there if you can donate and if you can't donate, um, let's all, you know, commit to calling at least one Senator. You guys know how I feel about calling senators. I always am like rolling my eyes at it, but if we call enough, they can't brush us off and they can't tell interns to hang up on us. So keep calling, keep advocating, keep doing what, what you can. And, um, let's get into today's episode. Again, I know nothing could be more important or more pressing than that, but I just want to, I want to give us a place to recharge. That's, that's what I want today to be. So we're going to do a little, a little recharge episode and then we're going to, we're going to get back to it. We're going to get back to making sure our schools and churches and grocery stores are safer for everybody. So sorry to start on a sad note. Well, not sorry because it is way, way, way more important, but uh, let's, let's begin, let's begin our episode and let's talk about uh, last week's episode because I got a lot of amazing, amazing messages from you guys. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode and you're confused on what's going on, me and my husband, Matt, did kind of a, just like a a deep dive on us <laughs> and what the last two years of our marriage have looked like as we navigate some, some hard things and hard ships in our marriage and how we got over them. And oh, it just, your guys' feedback was amazing because we, we were really scared. I mean, we wanted to like share enough that it was, you know, vulnerable and open, but I don't want to share so much that like it got weird and like way too personal. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Matt and I want to do want to do more of those. And I love when I get the feedback of like, is it weird that I'm in love with your husband? And I'm like, no, please continue to be because I also am. So thank you guys for that. And then thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who made New York 
as amazing as it was. It was such an incredible experience. I am still working on how to get you guys the audio because I want you guys to hear it. And it was an absolute blast. I'm going to dish. I'm going to dish right now on um, everything that went down. Also, I'm sorry. I probably sound congested. I'm not sick. I like feel totally fine. I think it might be allergies. I don't know. It was like the first time traveling without a mask, which was like super tight. It was way, way tight. But then when you got off the, the plane and you're like, cool, I just breathed fart poo air for so long, for so long. So I honestly might just travel with a mask forever because I was not getting sick after any trips when I was wearing a mask. And now, boom, one time without a mask, I'm congested. All right. Anyway, so let's talk about New York before we talk about today's episode. I'm so excited about the episode today, guys. Uh, But I do want to tell you guys about NYC. So we landed on Monday night, uh, which was, I guess, technically Tuesday morning at like 5 a.m. because we had a million delays. And I could honestly, I could tell you guys about this for so long, all of the little annoyances that happened on our way there. But whatever, we land. I'm in the baggage claim, Terminal 2, JFK. 5 a.m. waiting for my bag. I am sobbing. I'm like hysterically sobbing. I can't believe that I agreed to do this show. It felt like my life's biggest regret. I'm not joking. It felt like I had made the worst decision ever. I I can't put into words how not qualified or ready or prepared or any of those things. Like I would say imposter syndrome, but that feels like the JV version of what I was feeling. Like this was I was asking Matt if there was any way we could cancel. Like there had to be, there had to be a way. Like, could I like fake a COVID test and not do it? Like, is there any way that I could get out of this? I was like, dread does not even begin to, to cover how I was feeling. So anyway, that's how I'm feeling in the, in the baggage claim at JFK at 5 a.m. We make it to the hotel. I'm still trying to figure out how to fake an illness or an injury. And then, you know, we fall asleep, wake up. It's Tuesday, the day of the show. Matt is just like bringing me sandwiches like every 45 minutes to try and like keep me alive while I I write my set for that night because I'd been so sick. If you saw my Instagram, I got so sick the week before. Of course, I'm sick again, not to like, you know, make it all about me, but like, come on. Anyway, it's so then then, you know, 4 p.m. rolls around. It's time to walk over to the venue. Gorgeous venue, by the way. City Winery is where where I did it. I go to the green room and the staff there is so amazing. I've got the anxiety poops. They're trying to feed me. I'm worried I'm going to throw up if they bring me any more food. But then seven o'clock rolls around and I go on stage. And for the first mm, 20 minutes, I'm unwell. I'm actually unwell. I had to steal somebody's napkin. I literally on stage had to say, please, can you give me your napkin? Because I had a sweaty ass face, not sweaty ass. Although I could have used it for that too. Anyway, I was so sweaty. I was so nervous. And then about 20 minutes in, it clicked that we were all just hanging out. That's what we were doing. We were all just hanging out and chatting. And so the crowd, oh my gosh, I could weep. I could weep thinking about how amazing you guys made me feel, made me feel so comfortable. And we did it. We did, we did the, we did the damn thing. So let's do it again. Let's do it again. I know a lot of you guys are asking for a Utah show or a West Coast show, an LA show. We're going to do that. We're absolutely going to do that. I don't have a date for you, but we're going to make that happen. So don't you worry your pretty little butt. We're going to do a lot of shows and it's going to be a lot of fun every single time. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Apostrophe. Have you ever had a breakout at the worst 
possible time. I feel like whenever I have a big event, I get stressed and then I immediately break out right before. It's really awesome. You guys know that I'm, I've always been obsessed with skincare. And the number one question that I get is, where do I start? I want to redo my skincare. I want to take better care of my skin. Where do I start? Apostrophe is where you start. And I'm so excited to partner with them for this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. At Apostrophe, a board-certified dermatologist will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, snap a few selfies, and then a board-certified dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. They also treat all types of acne. If it's hormonal, if it's on your face, if it's on your chest, your back, your butt, wherever you're breaking out, they can treat it. I also have a special deal for my audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider when you go to apostrophe.com slash bad and use the code bad. This code is only available for my listeners. So get started and just go to apostrophe.com slash bad, click begin visit, and then use my code bad at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash bad. Use the code bad. Get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. Thank you to Apostrophes for sponsoring this episode. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Dipsy. Spring fever is in the air. Things are heating up. And with the smell of fresh blooms and the sun shining down, it's time to get inspired to spice things up elsewhere, if you know what I mean. Time to explore your inner desires and fantasies and find stories that match your mood this season, all on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. We're all reading these books anyway. We're all reading all the sexy stories. Dipsy is all of the good parts in one place, if you know what I mean. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories, you can always find something new to explore. They also have sleep stories, wellness sessions, and they offer written stories. It is your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or maybe just heat things up with a partner. So for listeners of The Bad Broadcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash bad. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash bad. Again, that is dipsystories.com slash bad. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. So now that now that that's all out of the way, now that my my New York recap, I just I always want to tell you guys like everything that goes on in my life. And then I realize maybe nobody cares about this. 
but I just like to chat. Okay. So what are we talking about today? You probably already saw the episode title. Maybe you read the episode description, but we are doing a dive on the year 2000. Why? Because it's iconic. It's possibly the most iconic year I've ever lived through. I mean, unfortunately, 2020 had its iconic moments for the wrong reasons, but 2000, oh, the height of pop culture. Um, we're, we're in a pre 9-11 world, so things are just different all around. Like, I think we didn't realize, at least I didn't because I was so young, how much 9-11 shaped like our culture in America. Uh, so this is before that. This is after Y2K. So many crazy things happen. And I just want to, I just want to dive in. I want to give you guys some bullet points of the highlights of what happened that year. And just, just introduce a little, infuse a little nostalgia into our day. So let's talk about where the year 2000 started, which was of course the world not ending at midnight on New Year's Eve. So I, I remember asking my mom about Y2K because I didn't, I didn't get why people thought that the world was going to end. Cause I feel like usually when you hear about the world ending, it's usually like a super religious thing or like, you know, we had the Mayan calendar thing in 2012. Like it always has to do with something like that. But I think, and, and I don't want to say that that wasn't going on in Y2K. A lot of people did think that the world was going to end because of religious reasons. But when I was talking to my mom about it, she referenced something that I looked up called the year 2000 problem or the Y2K bug, the Y2K glitch, Y2K error. This is what I think. And and this makes sense. This is something that I would probably be worried about then when like you didn't know what was going on with computers or anything. They were so brand new. So here's what the uh, year 2000 problem is, according to Wikipedia. It refers to potential computer errors related to the formatting and storage of calendar data for dates in and after the year 2000. So basically all of the computers were about to switch to zero, zero. Everything was like, you know, it was the year 99. So nobody was, was worried about that, but nobody knew what was going to happen when it switched to zero. So people thought that it was just going to end technology. They just thought it wouldn't work. Which like now looking back, it's like obviously the computers were still going to work, but you didn't know that then. I mean, we were still we were still dialing up. We didn't know what was going to happen. I'm saying we like I was, you know, aware of any of this at the time, but I was alive. And I remember like my mom sending my brother was in Japan at the time sending, you know, 72 hour kits. It just was a time of the unknown. So when the world didn't end, big news, big news for everybody. And thus begins, thus is thus the right word there. And thus begins the year 2000, which gives us some of the most famous music and movies and pop culture moments that we've ever had. So let's set the the 2000 scene. Let's talk about what was going on. What was in the zeitgeist at the time? I'm going to tell you guys the top 10 highest grossing movies of the year 2000. I just feel like movies are such a great way to kind of see what was going on, you know, publicly at the time, who the big stars were, what stories people were liking. It just kind of gives you a feel of the culture at the time. I don't feel like we have that anymore. I feel like COVID hit um, and now movies are forever changed, which is super, super sad. But like you don't see movies having huge box office weekends unless it's like a Marvel movie. You know, I feel like most people are watching movies at home or, you know, limited releases in theaters. It's just not as indicative of what's going on as it was in the year 2000. So let's get into these these top 10 highest grossing movies of the year 2000. Number 10 is Aaron Brockovich starring Julia Roberts. I've never seen it, but I do know that Tom Girardi uh, was involved in the Aaron Brockovich case. And that's how he made all of his money. 
Number nine is Dinosaur. When was the last time you thought about the movie Dinosaur? Probably the year 2000. Number eight is What Lies Beneath. Number seven is Scary Movie, the first scary movie ever. Number six is X-Men. Oh, I remember the days when superhero movies were cool. Uh, Number five is Meet the Parents. Number four is The Perfect Storm. Number three is Gladiator, which I feel like has aged very, very well. I still love this movie. Number two is Mission Impossible 2. I wonder what Mission Impossible we're on right now. Didn't we just hit like nine? And then the number one highest grossing movie of the year 2000. None of you are going to guess it, but feel free to feel free to guess if you if you want. Uh, The number one highest grossing movie was How the Grinch Stole Christmas, (laughs) which like I didn't see coming, but I definitely don't disagree with. What a movie. What a performance. So now that we know what people were watching, let's talk about what people were listening to. So this is a list. I won't give you all 100. I'm just going to give you the top 10 of the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 2000. I'm going to tell you the top 10 of these. So this is what people were listening to. Number 10 is um, He Wasn't Man Enough by Tony Braxton. Number nine was Bent by Matchbox 20. Number eight was Amazed by Lone Star. I think I never realized how famous that song was. Uh, Number seven is I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden. Savage Garden slaps to this day. I absolutely love it. Don't they sing truly madly deeply? I'm pretty sure they do. Number six is Say My Name by Destiny's Child. I can't believe that that's not higher. Destiny's Child really ran the show in the year 2000. They have a ton on the Hot 100, but um, that is our only one in the top 10. Number five is Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon. Number four is I Want to Know by Joe. Number three, Maria Maria by Santana. Number two is Smooth by Santana. Santana, man, haven't heard about anything you've done since 2000, but you were really cleaning up then. And then the number one song of the year 2000, again, really surprised me, but it was Breathe by Faith Hill. If you want a real throwback, turn that on. And of course, we can't we can't even begin to discuss events of the year 2000 without acknowledging the fashion of the year 2000, which is 100% back. <laughs> just goes to show, all fashion trends are just cyclical. Everything comes back in style. I I feel like this is comforting to somebody like me who feels like they're not up to par with all the trends. And it's like, they're going to they're gonna leave anyway. So you might as well just find what you like and wear that. But I found this Bustle article talking about the nostalgic fashion trends. And first up, they mention the frosted lip gloss. I loved a frosted lip. Are you kidding me? I used to steal my mom's concealer and put it on my lips. I wanted just the most pale lips possible. Uh, The next thing they talk about is trucker hats, especially Von Dutch trucker hats. We can't move on without talking about low rise jeans, lace up jeans, jeans with no back pockets, jeans with bedazzled pockets. Jeans were everything. I feel like now, now jeans are just really straightforward. We got Levi's, we got high rise, straight leg, plain denim wash. We were getting wild with denim in the year 2000. We've also got halter tops. We've got choker necklaces. We've got the tattoo choker necklaces. Do you guys remember those? <laughs> Do you guys remember doing those? Uh, we've got pants with messages on the butt. We've got the, the, the height of the juicy couture sweatsuit, which by the way, I hope, I hope we get many more of those. I'm trying to live in those. Wide leg yoga pants. Of course, those are back. 
all denim everything, studded belts, butterfly clips, baby tees, baguette bags. Those are so back. Are you kidding me? Hair claws. Yep. Wearing one currently. Rugby shirts. Oh man, I wish I had like a visual aid with these. Rugby shirts are those like three quarter length kind of polo shirts with the big, it's like navy blue stripes and then the white collar. I think you guys probably know what I'm talking about. Um, Patchwork jeans. We had a lot of peasant tops, a lot of kitten heels, anything that you've seen like the fashion girlies on TikTok wearing. That's what was happening in the year 2000. So do we have, do we have the aesthetic? Do we have the vibe? Are we fully embodying the year 2000? I hope so. Because now let's talk about some of the major events that happened during this year that are still affecting us today. So in February of the year 2000, actually February 17th to be exact, the Windows 2000 computer software is released. Windows 2000, which changed everything. It was a major release of the Windows NT operating system that was developed by Microsoft and oriented towards businesses. I find it endlessly fascinating how we handled technology in the early 2000s. Remember, people always thought that it was just going to be something that was a huge luxury for people to have. I think it was Bill Gates who was like, I hope everybody has a computer. And everyone was like, yeah, shut up, nerd. That's never going to happen. And here we are. Everybody usually has like two computers on them at all times. And from what I can understand, this was such a big deal because it was available to the public to buy. So they could buy this operating system and download it onto their computer and be able to use it. It wasn't just like a limited release to businesses or things like that. That's that's my understanding. It could be, could I mean, I, I should say this every episode. I could be totally wrong about that. Uh, but I don't really understand like computer jargon. Like I read this sentence, Windows NT family of operating systems replacing Windows NT 4.0 beta one of NT 5.0. Like, I don't know what any of that means. Um, but I do understand the part where it says this was available to the public. And <laughs> I mean, the only thing I was doing on Windows 2000 was trying to figure out how to paint. But here I will give you guys a little, a little nostalgia. Oh, that is horrible. I'm so sorry. I can't even, I can't even continue to play that because that is the most annoying noise. Wow. I can't believe we dealt with that every single day. So computers are evolving, which obviously, as we know, literally changed the course of humanity. Isn't that, do you guys ever feel like maybe we can be done with technology? Like maybe, maybe we don't need to go any further. Like I, I think I saw TikTok about this. Like, I feel like we've just, we've gone far enough. We have everything that we need. It's anything past this is like a little bit frightening. Like we don't, we don't really need to, to keep going with that, you know? This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by PhD Feminine Health. At PhD Feminine Health, they are reinventing holistic feminine care and wellness solutions that help millions of women feel confident and comfortable because nothing tanks your confidence quite like having a weird smell. You know what I mean? PhD offers trustworthy feminine care products that actually work because when you have feminine issues, you want a solution immediately. When your vagina is smelling a little bit weird, you don't want to wait for a solution. That needs to be fixed immediately. 
Also, this is a woman-owned business, which means they actually really get it. They use boric acid, which is a natural compound found in seawater and has been recommended by doctors for decades as a safe, holistic alternative. PhD is the number one doctor-recommended brand of boric acid vaginal suppositories. Also, PhD offers a variety of holistic over-the-counter products, including their two new products, PhD Boric Acid Sensitive Foam Wash, which is the only boric acid foam wash on the market, and their PhD Boric Acid Moisturizing Suppositories, which are a holistic solution for vaginal odor while moisturizing your vagina. Win-win, guys. Both are available now on Amazon and at Target. PhD believes that vaginal care is crucial to your overall well-being. So register now at phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win to enter to win a free summer gift basket, which contains cruelty-free deluxe size beauty and lifestyle products, a retail value of over $100 plus a $500 Visa gift card. So go to phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win. Also, you can get 20% off of all products right now when you use the code BAD at checkout. Again, that's phdfemininehealth.com slash win to enter that contest, or you can use the code BAD at checkout to get 20% off of your order. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Fuzzy. All right, so if you guys have a pet, you already know that they are actually part of your family. And I was a non-believer of this before I had my own animals. Like when I would hear people talk about their pets like that, I'd be like, yeah, 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 whatever. Now that I have my own cats, I would lay down my life for them at a moment's notice. And Fuzzy knows that there's nothing that compares to coming home to a happy pet. And so they want to keep our pets healthy and make them as happy as they make us. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-hour access to personalized pet care from veterinary professionals. From everyday questions to middle-of-the-night emergencies, Fuzzy has the answers pet parents need. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are handpicked by their established team of veterinary professionals. And they're available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. I wish I had a dollar every single time one of my cats did something that just triggered panic inside of me and I didn't know who to call. Do you guys remember when Tofu jumped in a flaming candle and got wax all over his body? I didn't know who to call then. I wish I knew about Fuzzy. So right now, Fuzzy is offering my listeners a free seven-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com slash bad today to sign up. That's a free seven-day trial to access exclusive member discounts on pet medicine, supplements, food, and more at y-o-u-r-f-u-z-z-y.com slash bad. Again, that's yourfuzzy.com slash bad for your free trial of Fuzzy with access to 24-7 personalized pet care and vet-recommended products. The next notable event on our timeline, well, there's actually a lot of a lot of notable events between that and this next one I'm going to say, but they all have to do with like politics and like war and things like that. Uh, so this is basically just a list of notable things that happened in Maddie's life in the year 2000. And that next event would be the release of NSYNC's No Strings Attached. Yep, you heard me. This album brought us the 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 songs of our generation. Bye Bye Bye, It's Gonna Be Me, Space Cowboy, Digital Get Down. Are you kidding me? Bring in the noise. This I promise you. Oh, so many bangers. 
also in the year 2000. It is when Making the Band premieres and O-Town comes onto the scene. I only know one of their songs. It's that um, All or Nothing song. If you guys listen to it, I promise you, you'll recognize it. Uh, That's the only O-Town song that I know. But yeah, us young girls in the year 2000, we were living our best life with how many boy bands we had. We had NSYNC, we had the Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, O-Town. Oh, nothing, nothing like the golden age of boy bands. I know you guys are are wondering, so I will I will admit I was a Backstreet Boys girl. I was never that into NSYNC. I was specifically into Nick Carter. And I won't go into too many details, but boy, did I discover a lot about myself uh, based on how I felt about Nick Carter at the ripe age of like eight or nine. <laughs> okay, so later in the month, later in March of 2000, we had the 72nd Academy Awards. And just to give you guys an idea of what was going on in the Oscars, American Beauty is what won Best Picture. It also had Kevin Spacey in it. Ugh, yuck. But he won for actor for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Um, Hilary Swank won Best Actress for Boys Don't Cry. Angelina Jolie won Best Supporting Actress for Girl Interrupted. This Oscars also included Sleepy Hollow, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Uh, being John Malkovich, The Sixth Sense, One Day in September. Man, I could go on and on and on. I feel like there was another one. Oh, The Matrix. The Matrix was also nominated for film editing. Austin Powers was even even nominated. It was nominated for Best Makeup. And I think that us millennials will all appreciate what won Best Original Song in a Movie. You'll Be in My Heart by Phil Collins for the movie Tarzan. I know we all know how hard Phil Collins went on the Tarzan soundtrack. Still to this day, best movie soundtrack. So now we're up to the summer of the year 2000. And this is when Big Brother airs. Big Brother, we talked about a little bit in our reality TV episode, but it did shape a lot of how we do reality TV now. Um, The format of Big Brother, I don't watch it currently. I know it's still on. It's still super popular. But it's a game show in which a house of contestants, or sorry, a group of contestants referred to as house guests, live in a custom built, you know, quote unquote house constantly under video surveillance. I didn't know this, but when it first aired, it was on five nights a week. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine if we had like bachelor every single night? Anyway, while they're in the house, the contestants are completely isolated from the outside world and they're required to nominate two of their fellow contestants for potential banishment. And the two with the most votes would be nominated. Should multiple house guests receive the most nominations, then all of the house guests were marked for banishment. Banishment. This process was mandatory for all house guests and failure to comply could result in expulsion from the house. The public, through a vote conducted by phone, would vote to banish one of the nominated house guests from the house. And the house guest with the most votes from the viewers would be banished from the house. Why are we using the word banished? I I feel like it's a little it's a little intense. But whatever, I'm living for the drama. When only three house guests remain, the viewers would vote on which of them should win the series, and the house guest with the most votes would become the winner. The house guests were competing for a $500,000 cash prize, though the runner up of the series would receive $100,000, and the second runner up would receive $50,000. The winner of this first season was named Eddie McGee. He was an entertainer from New York. And while while Big Brother at the time was not super juicy, it wasn't a lot of drama, um, it definitely set the foundation for how we would be entertained by reality TV in the coming years, which I am eternally grateful for. Don't get me wrong. But the year 2000 did bring us some hardship. And one of those hardships is the fact that the play Cats closed. 
and it came off of Broadway. <laughs> and I grew up watching Cats. We had like the recorded version on VHS and my whole family loves Cats. I didn't know that people like didn't like it or thought it was weird until the movie came out. Like I thought Cats was just like the most amazing thing my entire life. I've always loved it. And whenever people are like, what's it about? I'm like, I don't know. It's just cats introducing themselves. And I wish, I wish it would come back. I wish it would come back to the stage. But yes, in September of 2000, Cats closes. It comes off of Broadway. I don't know how to phrase that right. It came off Broadway, closed off Broadway. I don't know. But RIP, and I will not be watching the movie. I've never seen it um, unless it's the butthole cut. That one I will watch. So later in September, we have the opening ceremonies of the 2000 Olympic Games, which happened in Sydney, Australia. Some highlights from these Summer Olympics. I know it started in September, so I thought it was the Winter Olympics. And then I remembered that Australia is upside down and that the summer starts in like November, December there. And some highlights from these games are first, it was Michael Phelps Olympic debut, which is crazy. Can you even believe how many Olympics that guy has freaking swam in? His body is not is not human. There was some drama in the women's gymnastics all around. Apparently, there was a Romanian gymnast named Andrea. I think it's I would say it Rodicon. She was supposed to sweep. She crushed everybody's scores and then was stripped of her crown after testing positive for a banned substance. Another major scandal that you guys have most likely heard of was the Marion Jones scandal. Uh, the, it didn't end up happening until 2007, but she competed in the 2000 Olympics and she won five medals and three of them were gold. And then in 2007, she admitted that she used performance enhancing drugs leading up to her performance in Sydney. So she was stripped of all of her medals. It's insane to me when people use performance enhancing drugs. It's like, why, why even put yourself at risk to getting disqualified? Like you've worked your entire life. I'm sure it just gets in your head. Like You've worked your entire life to get to the Olympics and you really, really, really don't want to fail. But I would rather not meddle than meddle and then have to come out and say, hey, I cheated. You know what I mean? Um, Also, the best women's soccer game ever, quote unquote. I don't know if that's, you know, widely accepted, but uh, Norway upset the reigning Olympic and World Cup champion, the U.S., in a three to two sudden death goal in the 102nd minute after the Americans had forced extra time with a stoppage time score. Wow, I really sounded like I knew about soccer when I said that. I don't. Spoiler alert. Something I know even less about than soccer is outer space, mainly because I am on the fence of if I even believe in outer space. That really sets people off when I say that, by the way. It's weird to see what things people get mad at when you have a podcast. Like some things are obvious, you know, like if I ever talk about anything political or anything about like religion or anything, I know people are just going to jump down my throat. I didn't know that people were going to yell at me when I said I don't believe in outer space. I mean, I don't know why you do. It's not like you've ever been. Anyway, (laughs) something that happened is that we sent the first passengers to the International Space Station. So the ISS launched or whatever, got to space in 1998. But then in 2000, we sent the first three passengers. Those passengers, I mean, just in case it comes up in like a Jeopardy question and you need to know this, it was astronaut Bill Shepard and cosmonauts, I don't know what a cosmonaut is, Yuri Gidzenko and Sergei Kirkalev, they became the first crew to reside on board the station. They were called the Expedition One, and they spent four months on board completing tasks necessary to bring the ISS to life. And it began what is now more than 20 years of continuous human presence in space. That's pretty wild. All right, the last 
kind of historic event that I want to mention before we get into some more pop culture, pop culture moments is the 2000 presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore. Bill Clinton was the president. He had finished his two terms. And in November is when uh, the election was for for the new the new president. And the reason this became such a famous election is because the outcome of the race was unknown for several weeks due to dispute over close vote totals in Florida. This is also called the the hanging chads. I learned the hanging chads. <laughs> I didn't know what those were, but the hanging chad is a fragment from a punch card ballot paper, which has not detached fully, resulting in an incomplete and therefore invalid ballot paper. Punch card voting machines require voters to punch holes in their ballot papers in order to indicate their voting preferences. The small discarded fragment of paper is called a chad. So the hanging chads result when a ballot is not completely punched through and the small piece of paper or card prevents the ballot paper from being marked down as a definite vote for a particular candidate. So they had to recount these votes in Florida. So they did not know who their president was until December. It wasn't until December. Can you imagine that? And I don't know why. It just it makes me feel better to know that there have always been times in our country where people were super angry and super divided, uh, just like we are now, because I think a lot of times people are like, it's never been worse. It's never been worse and it's never going to get better. But we do know historically that it has been it has been bad and it will get better. And anyway, so obviously George W. Bush ended up winning. He won Florida, but he did not win the popular vote. Shocker. Shocker there. It was one of only five elections where the candidate did not win the popular or the winner did not also win the popular vote. The other elections were in 1824, 1876, 1888, 2000, which is this one, and 2016, which is the uh, Trump versus Hillary. Trump lost the popular vote, but still ended up winning the presidency. Anyway, in the 2000 election, all of the hanging chads were in Florida. So that's where they were recounting all of the votes. So yeah, can you imagine going two months not knowing? I mean, I know in this last election, there were like a couple days where we didn't know there were recounts, all that stuff. But I can't even imagine there being two months between the election and knowing who won. But George W. Bush did, of course, end up winning with 271 electoral votes after winning Florida. Boring. Just kidding. It's not that boring. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think politics are boring. Uh, let's get back into the pop culture stuff that was going on. Did you guys know that in the year 2000, that's when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston got married? What an event. I feel like that might be the most important event of the year 2000. <laughs> that changed more lives than sending people to space. Jennifer Aniston was, of course, at the height of her. Fa- I mean, she's still super famous today, but she was becoming a superstar thanks to Friends. Brad Pitt, you know, it's early 2000s Brad Pitt. What gets more classic than that? And on the other side of things, that's when Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton got married. Same year. Can we just talk about Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton for a minute? I feel like that couple is who Megan Fox and MGK think they are. Like, this is all this is old news, like drinking each other's blood, carrying it around in a vial around your neck. Like they already did this. Billy Bob and Angelina. Megan Fox and MGK. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, so overly done with them. You know who else is over them? Megan Fox. Every single video that comes out of them is her just rolling her eyes. She probably just thinks to herself, like, how did I get myself into this lifelong bond with the biggest dickhead I've ever met? Anyway, uh, so, yeah, Brad and Jen get married. Angelina and Billy Bob. Some other notable celebrity happenings are things like Christina Aguilera winning Best New Artist. 
Can you believe that? Can you believe how long she's been around? How long she's been making absolute hits? I actually watched Burlesque the other day. It's strangely one of my comfort movies. I don't know what it is. I think the cast is amazing. <laughs> Christina Aguilera, Cher, Stanley Tucci, uh, the dad from the OC, uh, that one hot guy who wears eyeliner. I don't know what his name is. Kristen Bell, Julian Huff my favorite. Uh, I said that sarcastically in case any of you really did think that I love Julianne Huff. She does. She does give me an intense ick. And I know she's a fellow Utah gal. So I'm trying to like support. But once she started getting getting into Kinergy and literally getting exorcisms out of her butthole, that was when she lost me. That was when she lost me. As Jackie Schimmel says about the Huff siblings in general, dim the lights. Like you're not always performing. Like just dim the lights. It's fine. Just take a beat. The Marshall Mathers LP is released in 2000, which is Eminem's seminal album. I don't know what seminal means. I just said that because it was in the article. But Eminem became a cultural phenomenon in the year 2000. It's just crazy to think how long these people have been relevant for. Like early 2000s celebrities, so many of them are still like in the public eye now. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I feel like celebrity statuses are now much more short-lived. Anywho, Napster came on the scene in the year 2000, which changed everything for music streaming. Also, we had some some things happen with Netflix, which changed everything for us. But I'll talk about those after I talk about the Napster stuff. So Napster is an audio streaming service provider owned by Melody VR. And it originally launched on June 1st, 1999 as a pioneering peer-to-peer file sharing software service. But it really peaked in the year 2000. And this was Okay, you guys, you caught me. All right, you caught me. The majority of my knowledge about Napster is from the movie The Social Network with Justin Timberlake playing Sean Parker, but it is pretty accurate. And I did fact check some of it. (laughs) He was sued by basically every record label because it was the first time that music was being shared for free. And like streaming was not a thing then, you know? It's wild to think that people were conceptualizing these things that they didn't even know could possibly exist, like music streaming and uh, movie streaming, things like that. So with the movie streaming, I do want to talk about Netflix for a minute because Netflix met. I read about this and I was just, I was, I was so sad for whoever the higher up was at Blockbuster who made this call. So I guess Netflix in the year 2000 was not doing very well. Okay. They were only mailing out DVDs because of course, like I said about seven seconds ago, streaming didn't exist. So they met with Blockbuster. They wanted to partner up and do something and have Blockbuster fund kind of the expansion of Netflix so they could start mailing DVDs and eventually break into streaming. Blockbuster turned them down. Imagine, imagine what could have been with Blockbuster had they agreed to partner with Netflix. Netflix now rules our life. It is our Lord and Savior. Had Blockbuster known that then, we probably would have never had to leave Blockbuster and we would have been watching true crime blockbuster documentaries. Crazy, right? I feel like 95% of this episode is just me being like, can you even believe it? (laughs) Can you? Okay. Some of the last things I want to mention about the year 2000 that I really loved coming across in my research. I want to talk about the cast of SNL in the year 2000. It's amazing to remind ourselves where some of these major celebrities got their start. People like Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell in 2000, they were on SNL. Tracy Morgan, Chris Parnell, Molly Shannon, who is a national treasure. If you don't know Molly Shannon's story, uh, go look her up. She had one of the most insane childhoods and really came out on top. I love her. So yeah, Molly Shannon, Tina Fey. 
It was Tina Fey's first year. I believe it was also Maya Rudolph's first year on SNL. Will Forte was also there. Oh, it's hard to imagine a better cast. I mean, maybe we're going to look back at SNL like these last few years and be like, remember how that was the best cast ever? Something tells me we're not going to do that. Um, but I do feel that way about these SNL cast members. I don't know. It says Seth Meyers. I don't know if he was there in 2000. Uh, but basically just all these incredible, incredible comedians. What a time. What a what a time. Um, it's It was interesting to read all about this year. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, it was the it was, you know, pre 9-11. It was pre pre panic. I feel like people just felt safer day to day. I think about like, you know, going to the airport as a as a little kid and being able to just walk through security and walk somebody to the gate. If you didn't even have a flight, you could bring like anything on a plane. You could bring like scissors, fireworks, liquids. Didn't even matter. TSA standards were uh, non-existent at the time. And then after 2001, you know, things got a lot messier. Seems like they got a lot, a lot messier. And I actually called my mom. Well, I called her and I recorded it for this episode because I wanted to talk to her about the year 2000. But then the microphone didn't pick up her voice. But she was just saying, yeah, just, you know, the news cycle was not 24 hours a day. We weren't constantly getting fed information. You know, you wake up and watch the news and then you watch it at night. And that was kind of how you knew what was going on in the world. And now it seems like we just kind of live in a revolving door of panic. And it's a it's a scary time. Feels like every new year brings new things to be scared of. Uh, Wish I had some comfort for you. Definitely don't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, things always seem scarier than they actually are, and everything is going to be okay. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not extremely fun to look back on what was going on 20 years ago and how we probably didn't appreciate it enough. So I think that now is the time to start appreciating the things that we have because in 20 years, we're going to look back and be like, remember how dope 2022 was? Now it's 2042 and everything sucks. So thank you guys for venturing down memory lane with me. You guys know I love these weird, random research deep dive episodes, mainly because I'm just a sucker for anything nostalgic, truly. Um, So remember to subscribe, rate, review, be safe, be kind, be hot. Let me know the next deep dive that you guys want to do. And I will see you guys next week for a new episode. I hope you have an amazing week. I love you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.